1: you'll be
0: amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the score North studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand.
1: Hockey. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's
0: Hockey Show.
1: And welcome into Judd's Hockey Show, Zolgad, Declan Goff. If you weren't tired of us from uh, Mm -hmm. Monday when we were on the air, we were on the podcast, well, we are back for our regular Tuesday appearance one day after Declan Goff, the National Hockey League trade deadline has passed. uh, Greg Wyshynski, the outstanding writer from ESPN.com, who along with Emily Kaplan does a great job, is going to join us in a bit to talk about the deadline, to talk about the Zach Parise non-trade uh, all of which we have covered a lot of on Monday. If you check out those podcasts, you can hear our complete our in-progress thoughts at 2 o'clock, our complete thoughts at 6 o'clock. But Dex, I want to start w- with this, um, an article from The Athletic that you sent me last night, actually, grading trade deadline day for each team. And why don't you tell us what the author did in this case when it came to Bill Guerin's first uh, deadline as a GM in this league and the Minnesota Wild?
2: Yeah, I was really curious about this. He gave grades and he graded them on a on a school curve. I was never on these lists—the principal's list, the dean's list. I don't know about you, Jud. I was more of a C's get degrees, i.e., Saint Go Huskies. Gr- I didn't care about grades. Um, it, it's
1: Craig Custins too, but by, by the way, who graded you. these things?
2: Craig Custins did principal lists, so he had all the best grades that yep. all the teams did at the deadline. And you had the Hurricanes at an A. I think that's pretty obvious. They went all in, and will it pay off? And we'll see. But at least gut reaction, I think that I think it is an A. I agree with I ag- that. I agreed with the aggressiveness.
1: Who's going to play goal for him? Yeah, that's, that's their for biggest the short question term. marks,
2: right? And I, I know Reimer or Mazark, one of them is hurt. Uh, Brennamore wouldn't, wouldn't speculate which one, but one of them is hurt for a significant amount of time. I, I th- still think, yeah, they probably should have went and got a goalie, but that's, uh, that's not my job, thankfully. Ottawa Senators got an A because they have, like, 11 draft picks in the first three rounds. Good for them. And then the Minnesota Wild got an A, which um, I wasn't—I was a little surprised. I was a tad surprised by this. Now, the Zucker trade— I think we're a little blinded by the deadline because nothing happened on the deadline. I think some of us forgot that the Jason Zucker trade happened two weeks ago, which was a great trade. That trade to me is an A for not just the Wild but the Penguins too, because they have Jason Zucker who's producing phenomenally on that top line. The Wild get an additional first-round pick. They have a great young prospect, and now also Galchenyuk, who I'm still more of a fan of than you are, is trying to help this team. I think it's a pretty even trade. But the fact they didn't go out and do anything yesterday, and not that they had to, I would personally give, if you're asking my grade, I would give it a B plus. It's not an A to me. It's still a really good deadline acquisition. It, you handled the trade deadline all right. You were able to get a haul for Jason Zucker. But Custance gives an A and I get it, but to me, it would have to be, you'd have to get something else back to make this an A.
1: If you got rid of the Zach Breezy contract, it's a solid A. It's a definite A.
2: Yeah, and he and he did mention that. Forgot to mention that. Yeah. If he, if he pulled, and he said A+, plus, right? Yeah. If he pulled off the Zach Parise trade, he would have given them an A+. Plus.
1: Okay. But you didn't. I would give it a solid B instead. Okay. But I think it's a B. I think it's a very good, I you know what, as you said, C's get degrees, Well, so B's are obviously looked upon as being far superior. And But here's why, and I wrote about this uh, for scorenorth.com after the deadline passed on Monday night. You can still find it at our website. Here's why I think Garin deserves credit. He is he has the one thing, and he won't have this for long, but he has it right now, Declan, that every sports executive craves. He has the gift of time. So if he was blown away by the hurricanes for Brodeen or Dumba and said, and let's say they had said first round pick, top prospect, oh, for sure, heartbeat, right? But he wasn't. The uh Rangers traded defenseman and former golfer Brady Shea. To the Hurricanes for a first round pick. My guess is that the Carolina Hurricanes offered Bill Guerin a first round pick. And he said, sorry, nice offer, not enough. I've got, I deem, and I think he, he's right. I deem that you're undervaluing Dumba, who has four goals. And again, I'll say this, it's remarkable still, folks, because I think we brought this up a month ago no power play goals. Okay. That's not, that's going to change. Yeah, that's insane. That's going to change. Brodeen is a fantastic, steady, top defenseman who on a playoff team would be an absolute treasure, a gift. But if you're Bill Guerin and those teams come to you and are like, oh, okay, sorry, we're not, you know what? If you want to go back and try and trade them in July, you can. But he has time. He is under no hurry to make trades. Um, The same thing applies to a bit of this team. The reason why I give this a B, though, and not an A, Declan, is because I really felt that, between Galchenyuk and Stahl, you had to move one or should have for a draft pick. Just Mm -hmm. take the draft pick. You've got plenty of guys to play. You can call guys up. Because you have time, there is no, I'm sorry, you cannot convince me that there is any real thought of, whoa, we really should make the playoffs. No, you shouldn't, right? Right. So I don't give this an A because the Wild, which is a team largely because of the old Chuck Fletcher going for deals, has been starved for draft picks. I really thought that Galchenyuk or Stahl, and just to be clear, I'm not talking about a first-round pick, I'm talking like a third-round pick, could have gotten you something like that. And if you had gotten, if you had flipped Stahl to to one of the teams that uh, were not on his no-trade list, there's a 10-team no-trade list that he had, and gotten a third-round pick, I think I take you to an A-minus at that point. Mm -hmm. But because you didn't trade at least one of those two, I'm at a B.
2: And... And look, we we applauded Bill Guerin for not making an irrational decision like my decisions of maybe going player for player trade. And I know we're going to talk to Greg Wyshynski and I'm going to ask him about a certain trade. And we'll see what his thoughts are on that. But I I I liked for the most part Guerin tried to do. He didn't sell low on any of these players or at least the Dumb and Brodines because he knew he shouldn't have done that. Yes, it would have been nice to get at least a prospect or a mid-round pick back for someone like Eric Stahl. I would have liked that. But I think a B grade is okay, and, and, and this is Garen's first deadline. Um, I know this summer is probably going to be when those talks pick up. I know, I know at his press conference on Thursday after the deadline, he said those conversations can now resume again. You know, He, he basically alluded to the fact that just because we paused those conversations doesn't mean those conversations can't be held again here in a couple months in June when, again, things start to pick back up on draft day. So I think it's going to be still a busy summer for the Wild. And with the lack of significant free agents, I think around the league in general, we're going to see a ton of trades at the deadline and on July 1st, probably some sign and trades as well. It's going to be an interesting summer for the Wild, but again, this core that Garen is essentially trying to trim around, I think he's just beginning. And by opening night of next season, I still think you're probably going to see a very different Wild team than we've seen in, in the last five, six years.
1: Do you think by opening night 2021, Parisi is gone.
2: Yes, I still think so. Yeah. I I think we're laying the groundwork for that for that conversation to be held. The fact that it almost happened and and, and he's he's clearly unhappy. He can he can milk these twenty one games of whatever. You know he can see the end of the finish line at this point,
1: right? He knows that. This, well, they both want a divorce. Like, yeah. But 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 this is the marriage where they're almost going to remain friends. Sure. Like it's not going to be an acrimonious split here. I think they both want for. I think they stayed together the last year or so for the kids, basically, right? And I think that they are both on the same page of Parisi wants to win. Don't blame him. And Garen wants to re- rebuild and have that salary cap space. Don't blame him. And probably, or not probably, certainly get younger. And so the split makes perfect sense. I just keep going back to... Can you find the perfect storm again of the team that's going to take him? Because he is paid a lot for what really amounts to a third line or potentially, because he's 35 now, within a few years, third or fourth line left wing. I think he's a third liner right now, solid. I don't know how how long. I did get, just to be clear too, I got some tweets last night saying, oh, this is great, you almost traded Parisi, now Suter's next. No, just to be clear, Ryan Souter, from my understanding, is going nowhere.
2: And I think we've had this conversation before that Suter's game I think projects longer than Parisi's game. Funny enough, because as a defenseman, you think you log all those minutes that your legs would be tired and and your, your your bottom half starts to go out. No, not not the case at all. I think even with Suter rehabbing that nasty leg injury he had two years ago, that clearly took him about a year to get back fully healthy. I see Suter's game being okay in the long term, where it's Parisi who has had so many back issues and just plays such a hard physical right. game yep. that you don't see a lot of longevity there. So I, I no Suter's not Suter's not going anywhere for my.
1: And he's My just mind. made it very clear, I, I think, that he he would rather be here than try and chase a cup. Parisi wants to chase a cup. Koivu, I guess, made it very clear in the last year of his contract that he didn't want to when the Wild offered him up a chance to be traded. And, and you know, in seeing the Marlowe trade um, from the Sharks to the Penguins' Declan on Monday, it's now become crystal clear that Koivu could have gotten you something, a nice draft pick or something. I'm not saying a great draft pick, but a decent one. Uh, final Eric Stahl point, and I don't mean to pick on Stahl, but I think that there's a defensive stall on the surface when you look at his stats. saying, well, Judd, yeah, he's not—he might not have played great, but he leads the Wild in scoring. He goes into—and we're taping this full disclosure on Tuesday morning—and it's—and uh, the Wild's going to play Columbus on Tuesday night. But he goes into the game tonight with 21 games left, if I'm not mistaken. Declan, 42 points, which leads the Wild. He's got 17 goals, and Parisi leads the team with 21. Okay. But I looked this up last night. Eric Stahl has, just to sort of try and um, focus in on his struggles, two goals and eight assists, and he's a minus seven in 20 games since January 1st. And the issue is, I really believe, in that time, he is averaging 17.59 of ice time per game. It's just too much. It's just, he got off to the terrible start, and I think... I think he was hurt. Yeah, he was was banged up. He alluded to being banged up. Yes, He got healthy and actually, I thought, went on a stretch of, what, a month plus at least of really solid hockey. But, again, I'll reiterate it. Since January 1st of 2020, he has two goals and eight assists and a minus seven in 20 games. If I'm Bill Guerin, that's exactly what I would have looked at and tried to convince a contending team. Don't play this guy seventeen fifty nine per game. Put him on your third line. 12, 13 minutes. There's upside.
2: Right. And, and you could still get power play time, you know, a second unit here and there. You can use him more strategically. I agree. I liked Eric Stahl, and you know what? That contract and, and him signing here has turned out to be a very good deal. He took that low ball deal in, I believe, July of 2016 in his first season. Everyone thought, oh, Eric Stahl, he was so cooked in New York. They moved him to wing. <laughs> what the hell are we doing? And it actually turned out to be a very yep. good signing. He scores 42 goals in his second campaign and kind of revitalized his career. He's probably a Hall of Famer. Is he first ballot? Maybe not, but probably gets in the Hall of Fame. It's
1: been a good long career, Stanley Cup, right? Exactly. Got a so Cup.
2: I, he gets in the Hall of Fame, but I, I agree. Stahl is just being asked to do way too much, and on a contending team, just kind of like Zach, if you put him
1: off that top line, he's going to be even being better. What, what do you think Paul Fenton thought when he said, instead of trading Eric at the deadline last year, he went to him and said, let's sign you to an extension. Okay, but I'm going to give you 10 more teams that you can't be traded to.
2: I I think that whole thing was Fenton trying to make Stahl comfortable. And I know how much you hate coddling the veterans and coddling anyone pretty much for the most part. I don't mind coddling the kids once in a while. But I think that Fenton knew that Stahl's mindset was in a horrible place. I mean, last year's trade deadline, he was very vocal that this was not going well for him personally. And the fact that I think they gave him the contract extension And the no-trade clause took a big load off his mind, and I think that's why.
1: Probably true. All right, enough what we think about things. Let's get to a guy who's an expert on the sport. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN.com joins us now. Okay, Greg, start with this one. How much fun was that whole day, just as far as the fact? I think I counted by the end of the day on the trade tracker. I think I counted 32 deals. Now, none of probably what we would consider, as hockey people, massive magnitude. But still, if you can have a trade deadline with 32 deals, your, your league is doing something right.
0: Yeah, and, and it, I think it was a, a record setter yesterday for the amount of, of uh, deals that we had. And it's funny because we went into it not really knowing what it was going to look like. I mean, the, the playoff races are so tightly packed that there's not a lot of like completely designated sellers coming into the deadline. But it turns out that the parity in the league and the amount of, of separation between these teams – uh, led to a lot of aggressive moves as the deadline by contenders, maybe more so than we usually have. So it was it was definitely a bit more business than we expected, but it was a, a real fun deadline.
1: So, Greg, potentially a deal 33 that did not get done but was much discussed throughout the course of the day before the deadline hit was Zach Parisi and his no-move clause, and he had waived it to the Islanders, and at one point in time the reports clearly indicated that the deal was closing in, And we don't know exactly why, but it didn't get done. What was your, just to start with this topic, what was your surprise to see that, indeed, the Islanders and Wild were so close to a deal of a guy who's on a 13-year contract and we all thought was probably stuck in Minnesota?
0: Yeah, I mean, my first thought was Merry Christmas, Bill Guerin, right? Like (laughs) To have a situation where Zach Parise would waive his no-move clause for a reunion with Lula Amarillo, the GM that drafted him, and who he was very, very close with uh, when they were in New Jersey. Uh, it's one of the only places you could imagine Carize accepting a trade. And the idea that you could get out from under that contract um, going forward was, was stunning and, and I thought would have been a really positive move as Guerin tries to take a scalpel to this wild team and, and sort of remake it in his own image. But like you said, the money didn't work out. It's, it's, uh, it, the pieces didn't work out. And uh, Garen had to kind of just say, hey, you know, sometimes these things happen. Zach's a part of the team, yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, as far as the business that the Wild have to get done to kind of turn this and pivot this franchise to something different, uh, getting rid of Parise's contract would have been a a huge step forward, and uh, it's a a shame it didn't happen.
2: Greg, what do you think, playing armchair GM, what do you think it would have taken maybe to get that deal sweetened out and ironed out to actually get it to happen?
0: I don't know what the pieces were, you know, going back and forth. I mean, I'm sure there needed to be a bit of a sweetener from the, the Minnesota Wild to make it happen. I know that Andrew Ladd's contract was coming back the other way from the Islanders to kind of make it happen. So without really knowing the machinery uh, that was involved in, in the rest of that trade, it's hard to say. Uh, but, you know, when it comes down to it, it is, like I said, one of the only destinations you could be confident that that Parise would waive his no-move clause to go to. His dad has history with the franchise. Lamarillo, like I said, father figure uh, as the GM of that of that team. Uh, it really was the you know when you think about it, the was the most logical landing point for Parise if he was ever going to leave Minnesota. Uh, so maybe we re- re- we uh, revisit it in the summer. Maybe it's a draft time move. Maybe the deadline was just too much of a of a of a time crunch to figure out all the details. Maybe it's not dead. Uh, and for the wild stick, I hope it's not because like I said, I think it would have been a very uh smart move going forward,
1: so uh, Greg, one of the things that was speculated on here and certainly not confirmed, but I've heard this to be the case, and you would probably have a better idea than us was that part of what might have killed this was that that Lou hates when deals get out so much that Lou said, "You know what, if this <laughs> is out, bleep it. it's not it's not going to going to take place. Do you think that that could have at least played a role because he's such an old school? I liken him to a football type of guy that he was actually upset enough that it sounds like after months of talk behind the scenes that started with Paul Fenton and then transitioned to Garen that Lamarillo was um, not happy that the news of this trade got out on uh, trade deadline day.
0: It sounds absurd, right? That, yes. like, <laughs> that would be the thing that puts a kibosh on a trade or would, would change the business uh, relationship in a transaction. But having covered Lou for years and, and having grown up a Devils fan, it's absolutely <laughs> true <laughs> that that's something that could derail uh, trade conversations or negotiations or what have you. The, 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 the ships do not leak uh, uh, that, uh, that uh, Lou, Lou Lamarillo uh, has the wheel on. Uh, and uh, the fact that this got out was very interesting. I mean, you know, the, Mike Russo, who is a friend and who does obviously an incredible job covering the Wilds for the Athletic. Uh, I've had this story sort of over the last couple of months sort of percolating under the surface, never getting out. And then all of a sudden it's out and then all of a sudden the trade's off. So, you know, you tell me uh, how that happens when, uh, when Lou Lamarillo is, is trying to make a transaction, he does not like it when, it's a part of public discourse and it wouldn't surprise me if that was affected the deal.
2: Well, Greg, what was so funny too was Lou denied everything and then Bill Guerin addressed the media here in Minneapolis, in St. Paul and said, <laughs> Yeah, we had a conversation with Zach. So I mean and, and Bill and Lou go way back. I know Lou drafted Guerin and they're and they're very close friends. I believe in at Guerin's introduction press conference last year, he even cited him as one of his biggest mentors. So it's hilarious to me the polar opposites of Garen's basically admitting, yeah, we tried to trade him, but it was a good conversation. And Lou Lamarillo just saying, no, I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, as a sidebar, it just speaks to the incestuous nature of every NHL transaction. You're right. Garen was drafted by Lou. They're tight. They make trades. Ken Holland makes yep. trades with the Detroit Red Wings where he was last year. Yep. You know, uh, uh, Tommy Fitzgerald and Jason Botterill were both, assistant GMs in Pittsburgh together, they make a trade yesterday. It's, it's one of the single most boring parts of the NHL is the fact that ever, anybody who gets hired as somebody's former roommate, and then <laughs> wherever you're making a trade, it's usually somebody that you, you had a beer with uh, back in uh, junior hockey. It's it's so annoying. That,
1: that's so true. So if we go down this path or this thread, what are the most annoying things about, because I'll go with this one and it's not as prevalent as it used to be, but man, we, I feel like we still see it a lot is, is this league and recycled coaches, right, Greg? I mean, we still see guy. you know, I knew you from back then. I'm going to hire you. It feels like, like, all sports have this to a certain degree, but hockey has about two or three things that, <laughs> as you said, you just, as much as we might love the sport, you roll your eyes and you're like, really? It's 2020, guys.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think recycle coaches is definitely part of it. I think the uh, slavish uh, commitment to uh, to physicality and, and old school hockey in some cases is is you know, out of, out of step with what's happening in the game today, which is built on speed and scoring. Um, and I, I think also just, uh, you know, and, and this speaks to the, the huge story of the week, the David Ayers thing that happened in Toronto where the Amboni driver becomes the, the goalie that beats the Leafs. Um, there's also sort of that old school mentality of this is not quote unquote, how things should be. And just getting mad at, at things that I think the fans otherwise think are really cool uh which is sort of what's happening with the airs thing lately.
1: So beyond a not being traded by Garin, were you surprised that we didn't see Eric Stahl moved, that we didn't see Galchaniak potentially moved. There there was certainly weeks or even a month or so of a speculation that Brodine or Dumba might be traded. So he started with a uh with a flurry I guess or a flash two weeks back with the Jason Zucker trade to Pittsburgh, but were you a bit surprised that Bill Garin didn't make at least one move on uh, deadline day, Greg?
0: I was, and, uh, you know, I think the fact that Miko Koivu made it clear that he, he didn't want to leave um, and, and obviously has trade protection to that end uh, probably uh, hurt Garin's ability to make moves. Uh, I, think, I think Koivu would have had a, a ton of value for contending teams at the deadline. Uh, Brodian and, and Dumba seem like more summertime deals if they're going to be made. Uh, those are, are multi-piece kind of transactions coming back to the wild for two very serviceable, good defensemen. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> I mean, Golchenyuk it's probably just teams have watched him. <laughs> and, and I don't know why, what the market could possibly be for Alex Golchenyuk at this point. Um, you know, he's, he's just not very good. And uh, it's a shame because he had the, all the potential in the world, not only coming out in the draft, but also – when he did hit 30 goals for the Montreal Canadiens, uh, I mean, his, his career is, is certainly taking a, a, a turn for the worst, and I'd be surprised if, if he does get re-signed by the Wild uh, this summer.
2: Greg, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but I have a question for you. I, I wrote an article last week that was absolutely destroyed and attacked by all the Wild bloggers, and I did player-for-player player oh. trades because I just wanted to take the draft capital out. I tried, to, I tried to put on my best Paul Fenton hat, and I wanted to do just player-for-player player trades, and I want your opinion on this trade – and if I'm crazy, I'm crazy, and if I'm right, I don't know what'll happen to my ego here. But I'm just gonna put you on the spot, Matt Dumba, and then the Wild's top prospect, or uh, second top prospect, Matthew Boldy, for Dylan Strome in Chicago. What were your thoughts on that possible trait? I want to know what you would think.
0: <laughs> just for Dylan Strome? Just for Dylan Strome? Yeah, it's insane. I mean, <laughs> you definitely put on your you definitely put on your Paul Fenton. There it <laughs> is. <laughs> there it is. I that's, was
2: uh, I, yeah. I was. I was just trying That's to get the top six center, you know. I mean, I, I this team is so star for him. I mean, I guess if you removed Baldy and you just did Dumba for Strom, is that still too much? You think?
0: I mean, you're getting, you're getting closer, but uh, I, I don't think you necessarily. I think I think Dumba's got a ton of value. I think yeah, I think Dumba yeah. is a player, especially you know with his contract, with his age, uh, that could can certainly help a team. I, you know, one of the issues is that when it comes to a top uh, six center. It's usually something you have to develop yourself. Those become so rare uh, in a transactional sense. I mean, look, for example, go back to the trade that was made a few years ago when uh, the uh, Nashville Predators got Ryan Johansson out of the Columbus Blue Jackets, right? Like, that, that's a legit top six center. Um, whether he's a number one or not, I think, is a point of debate. But they had to give up Seth Jones for him. I mean, that's a, that's a real big blockbuster level deal to get that type of, of player um so you know that's what you're looking at and I, I think trying to find that guy is is very tough and uh, and usually like i said the solution is to find him uh in the draft at some point which you know could could certainly happen for the wild in the next couple of years
1: greg what teams in your mind uh did, did you possibly have questions about going into deadline day yesterday and by last night said these teams unequivocally improved themselves by a significant margin
0: um, I really like the business the, uh, the Penguins did down their lineup. I thought their bottom six was the weakest part of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting Con- Connor Sherry back from the Sabres, getting Evan uh, Rodriguez from the Sabres, and getting Patrick Marlowe from the, the Sharks. Marlowe's not Marleau anymore, but I think that in a, in, a, in a smaller, more specific role on a team can be a real asset. So I thought the Penguins did pretty good for themselves yesterday. And then Vegas, who's been trending up uh, since the uh, all-star break under Pete DeVore, the new coach, Uh, really was a a surprising and and stunning but amazing move in getting Robin Lehner from the Chicago Blackhawks. Lehner wanted to stay in Chicago. Chicago didn't want to give him the contract he was looking for. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury is the face of that franchise in Vegas, but he's not been the same goalie this year. On the ice, numbers aren't there for him. Off the ice, he lost his father in November. I've been told by people close to Fleury that that really had an effect on him, and he's still struggling with it. Um, So not to say that he couldn't be the guy that leads Vegas in the playoffs and 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 has a fantastic postseason, but to have Laner in there as insurance and and also fixing a problem that they had for their backup goaltending position, I thought was was a really really smart move and the kind of move that you don't necessarily see contenders that have franchise level goalies make at the trade deadline.
1: Last thing, and I saw you bring this up with Emily Kaplan on the review that you guys did. On ESPN.com last night, and it is probably, as I think you declared, it, the best story of trade deadline day. So Johnny Goodrow's practicing for Calgary. Take me, take us through that story because this is why I love trade <laughs> deadline days and how anxious we are when any little thing happens.
0: Yeah, and, and again, like we're all looking for information, we're all looking for hands to be checked as what's going to happen. And one of the harbingers of the trade deadline is always somebody leaving practice for right. some unknown reason. So Johnny Gaudreau leaves Calgary Flames practice with about two minutes left. Everybody's still on the ice. And Gaudreau's name's been out there. I mean, he's not necessarily somebody who is rock solid uh, in, in Calgary as far as his future goes. So that got everybody buzzing. And we're all thinking, oh, my goodness, what, what level blockbuster are we about to see at the trade deadline? And then lo and behold, it turns out, as he said that later, I quote, I just had to pee. And so uh so everybody stand down. Uh it is uh it wasn't uh, anything uh you know emerging on the trade market as but as Emily Kaplan said on our our podcast yesterday, definitely the number one story of the trade deadline, uh the Johnny Goudreau situation.
1: The ultimate troll, that is the ultimate troll, Greg.
0: Oh yeah, it was It's it just was great. Wonderful. and uh it just it just goes to show you that like when it comes to trade deadline uh and I think that the Canadian networks have certainly uh, led to this place for hockey fans. It is just a, a hyper reactive, hypersensitive time. Um, but uh, but that was a good a good a good uh, moment of, of needles being provided for our balloons by uh, Johnny Gaudreau.
1: All right, great stuff there from Greg Wyshynski of ESPN.com. Appreciate his time as always. Fantastic guest. Some interesting stuff, Dex. You know, I think now because we did so much um, yesterday on the actual trade deadline and the Parisi. Uh, Will he or won't he go, which he didn't. And then we should say he has talked today about this. And, you know, he's given the quotes that he's going to give, which is I'm still happy to be here because what are you going to say? I'm miserable here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what we should do, though, is in our remaining time here, focus on the future of the Wild and what we want to see the rest of this season. And I think more importantly for Bill Guerin going into next season as well. Okay? So here's one. Here's a short-term one. And the Rangers have sort of set the precedent for this. Here's one that I would like to see. And we've talked about this briefly, but I really want to push for this now. I want to find a way to get Capo Kakanen, the goaltender at Iowa, who I checked statistically has done really well. Yeah. Played up here, he's done well. I want to find a way to get him some games here, ASAP. There's, after what, the Columbus game, there's 20 left? So if I had a goal, because I think goaltending-wise, you've got to figure out what you have, right? And I don't think Dubnik is the future. And I think Alex Stalock as a backup is fine. But do you need a number one? Is Kakanen, could he be that guy? And I'm they're probably saying, well, training camp, we'll give him a the, To me, there's no reason not, not to find out now. And it's not like the goaltending currently is so good that it's it's inching you towards a playoff spot. So I guess my question to you is, can you give me a compelling reason of why not to take a look at, at Kapo Kakinen right now?
2: Well, I, I think the reason isn't it, and you're going to hate this, and, and I understand it, though, is they still believe they are a playoff team. And there's, I believe, five points out as as we record this, so they th- they're within reach. Yeah. And until probably that hits the nine ten gap of your ten points out of a playoff spot, they're probably still going to roll a Stalock and Dubnyk for as long as possible. And that's that's not right. I agree with you. I I will say, Judd, that it's encouraging that Stalock has essentially become the team's if de facto number one goaltender because mm-hmm. Dubnyk's played so poorly. Mm-hmm. And that's good for Staylock. I'm glad Staylock gets time. Look, Staylock is not our goaltender of the future. We've made this point a bajillion times. But he needs adequate playing time. His first two years here, what I think, 13 and 14 starts. You know, I'm sure he appeared in 20 games, but starts there was in the teens. And now this guy's getting more of a look. You can get by with this patchwork goaltending. No, Staylock is not going to be able to carry you to the playoffs. And if the Wild were in the postseason contention, they probably would have the weakest goaltending tandem in the league. But yeah, I'm glad at least Staylock is getting looks.
1: Let me run this thought. By you and I believe I brought this up on our uh, six to seven p.m. Judd's Hockey Show, reacting to the trade deadline on Monday. I'm going to float this theory past you or this, this observation. Okay, it's a semi-hot take, but I don't think it, it's Ooh. really a hot take. Remove the defensive core, okay? Because I, you know, Spurgeon, really good veteran player. Suter, I'm not necessarily in love with him, but I think he's stable. So just very- remove the defensive core. Yeah, okay. Brodeen, very good. Got it. I would argue that in goal and among your forwards, for the most part, playing your veterans is, to a large degree, hurting your playoff chances. I think your veteran goaltenders are hurting you. If Stalock plays too much, he starts to wear down. Dubnik, you said yourself, and you're right, has not been good. Kapokokanen actually might give you a better chance if he comes up and plays well, or if you find out, with the pressure on, which I sort of like, um, Eric Stahl, I think in the role he's being asked to play is hurting you. Zach Praise, not so much, he's fine. But Miko Koivu, I don't know he's helping you a lot. The point being is I will defer to the defenseman and say that's a solid group. So no Oh yeah. No gripe with them, okay? Yeah, but I think in goal and your forwards, I don't know that saying we gotta go with the veterans here to make a playoff push isn't actually working against, if that's your, your philosophy, isn't actually working against your playoff push.
2: That's an interesting point because when you started saying it, I, I really didn't know what road you were about to go down there. And at this point, we're starting to know who the Wild are with their veterans, right? With the windows closed, um, Zuccarello's regressing, Miko Koivu's on the fourth line, Eric Stahl's been a shell of himself, you're, I, I, I push back a little bit on yes, I'm, I'm glad these younger players are getting more playing time, and, and I want to see guys like Capo and, of course, Jerry Mayhew get opportunities. And I know we'll get down there, uh, down that path here in a little bit uh, in the last 20 minutes or so. But I, I want to see more of these kids. And Capo, you bring up an excellent point. Staylock and Dubnik aren't going to get you into the playoffs. We've seen runs before where goaltenders can get hot on this team even, guys that have come out of complete left field. Briz Goloff coming there at the trade deadline and helping the Wild win a couple playoff games. Darcy Kemper got hot, was starting in the second round of a playoff series. So it's possible. I, don't, I hate to use Jordan Binnington as the same example for everyone because that's a horrible crutch commentators like to use. But you have to figure out. And you only figure that out by giving Capo adequate playing time. And I thought in the very small sample size saw him, I think it was just five starts he made here when Dubnik was away from the team, that I was very impressed and I, I thought that this kid is exactly what the Wild need to see what they have in the future because you need to bridge this gap in goaltending, and I wouldn't be surprised even if, if let's say, Dubnik or Staylock were sold off at the deadline, you know, the Wild go-get, you know, another staylock level backup or someone to maybe patchwork it, but what they should do is call up Coppo and or Matt Robson and let them man the ship with whomever the back other veteran goalie that they have in houses.
1: I just think Coppo might be legit, and I think he might be the guy and I don't see a reason w- with this team not to find out, because it's not like you'd be benching a goaltender who is great. Capo, um, just to go back to your point, five games, all starts, three wins, one loss, one overtime situation for him. Goals against up here of 296, save percentage, 913. So anyway, that's the one that I would like to see uh, get playing time. And if you have three goaltenders here and Dubnik in the press box, I don't care. What would you like to see?
2: I would love to see more of what this kid Kevin Fiala can do, man. Let me run down some statistics. I was doing some digging on this last night because he's really turned it around. And I thought that could he ever be the player that he was before he broke his fibula and that horrible injury that happened in the playoffs? Because that year he was great. 23 goals, 48 points as a 21-year-old. That's the player you wanted. Well, how is he doing this season compared to that? Goal rate, exactly the same. .29 goals over 82 games a season. Assists up point. From .31 to .43. So a big increase there. His points per game, .71, it was .6. Across the board, this guy is excelling. Shots per game at a career high, 2.5. Shooting percentage, 11.4%. A little above average, but sustainable. This kid is exactly what I I hoped he would be. And I'm curious to see if he can keep it up. Because, like you said, he went through some spells. Even um, between when he started to play well in November and into January, he w- he disappeared for a little bit again. But I want to see if this kid can continue to put shots on net, convert goals, get more power play time. He's getting plenty of it right now. I know he's racking up some power play points. I know it's probably easy to say, I want more of Kevin Fiala. I want to see if this can be sustainable and maybe get to 50 points by the end of the season.
1: Which, I mean, he's been great. Yeah. And and I do think that after that brief period, what was early in the season, he had a terrible turnover in that horrid loss where I think they Montreal. dropped to one 1-6 in Montreal. And I think he got scratched the next game. It felt like Bruce, I don't want to say immediately trusted him more because he didn't, but he started to play him more often, and then he gradually ascended. And, yeah, he is the most, I think we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on Joe's Hockey Show, he is the most talented player on this team just as far as pure talent goes, and I don't think it's particularly close right now. Um, I would like to see in these remaining games, I would like to see Matt Zuccarello's ice time decreased. If you need to move him down to a fourth line, that's fine. This season has been a disaster. He has a no move. So, unless you've got, unless Billy Garrett has something up his sleeve to trade him, which I don't think he will, because it's not because a team wouldn't take him, but they won't take the contract. I don't see a big need in trying to instill like confidence in Zuccarello. He's a veteran who's just had a putrid year. So, I am in favor of getting anybody and everybody who you want to see ice time where he's been playing. And I don't know what you do here. To me, this contract is going to become, I know this is going to shock you, Declan, the latest Albatross mm-hmm. Wild contract. Yeah. But I don't see any great need to be to say Zuccarello has to play. Matt Zuccarello, it's been awful. Um, this team's going nowhere, basically. the sign, his Being signed to a five-year contract didn't make sense. Anybody and everybody who needs to play, I think at this point, should play above him. Sure.
2: And... In terms of the other young guys, I'd like to see. I'd like to see this Jerry Mayhew guy get a long leash. You know, if he's going to get top line minutes on Tuesday night against Columbus, yeah, but let's and that's not great. See him play
1: the fourth line by the third period. Yeah, I'm with you on exactly.
2: That. Give him a couple games, and I think having Everson here helps that situation. And they they said it, it. We didn't do this. He earned it. And I I always pick fights with hockey cliches of like, well, he's got to earn the promotion this, this and that. Eh, I I can't stand it, but I want to see Jerry Mayhew get an extended look, 15 to 16 minutes a night, on a top line, on a power play. This guy has been so good in the AHL, and and I was saying it before the season, but everything there is to accomplish in the minor leagues, he has already done that. 61 points in 48 games this year. I mean, the, the guy is a big playoff performer for them last year. It's nice for the first time, in, in my opinion, in a very long time, can't remember the last time this happened, that the Wilds, Wilds AHL affiliate isn't complete dog bleep. And it's actually, actually pretty you know, actually good.
1: Paul Fenton started to build that thing back up and, to his credit, and you do that. He took
2: some pride in that with free agent signings. Jerry Mayhew was one of those. Sam yep. Annis is one of those. Yep, you have to you build up your AHL roster a little bit, and you might just think all oh, their veteran guys, their AAA players or their quad A players, they'll never excel past a certain level. No, at this point, you're now in discovery mode for these last 21 games. So give these
1: kids plenty of looks. Who do you do you think in the last 20 games has a chance to? Redefine himself because go ahead,
2: Alex Galchenyuk okay. 100%. I All think right. it's Alex Galchenyuk Um, I want to see what he really can do. He's his shots uptick is a little bit above from what it was in Pittsburgh. I'd still like him to see the sh- uh, see him shoot the puck more. So I try to get that out, but only 1.83 shots per game. When he was in Montreal, he was peppering the net two and a half shots a game. That's what I need. Wojcinski agreed, by the way, I, me on that. I know he did. Wyshinsky
1: agrees that Galchenyuk's a lost
2: cause. Shocking, they everyone agrees with Judd and they no one agrees with Declan. Although. Yeah, everyone always agrees with Judd. I shouldn't say that; I spoke too soon. However, I want to see what Alex Galchenyuk. I defended
1: Miko Koivu, by the way, and all of you people got mad. No,
2: at me. people, I Judd, I haven't, I haven't raised any issue with you. I completely get it. I, I, I am, I'm completely on Team Judd there. Um, but with <laughs> Galchenyuk, yes, let's see what more if he can do. What, what more offense can he bring? His Corsi right now is off the charts, but I don't really buy too much in six games worth of Corsi. Sure, but I want to see what he can do if he can become that dynamic goal scorer he was in Montreal I know he's not a great skater and his back end he's a one way player he goes one way to the net and he's a liability on the defensive side as a back checker but I want to see if he can at least bring more offense and then I think personally I'm still on the board with either he signs a one year prove it deal or an extremely team friendly two two three year
1: bridge deal I think they'll let him walk but it's going to be the fact that they didn't trade him might indicate that you're going down the right path I don't know it's going to be interesting too I've seen reports and we don't know this yet, although if you're listening to this on Score North on 1500, you will know uh, that he was going to play center on Tuesday night against Columbus. I don't know that he doesn't, in watching his game, he doesn't really strike me as a center, but who knows? He might become incredibly defensively responsible when playing center. Uh, The guy that I really want to see get as much time as possible in these last 20 games and try and get his confidence as much back on track as you possibly can, Matt Dumba. Because it has been, and I don't know if the injury still impacted him for quite a bit of time. I don't know what happened. But, you know, Matt Dumba has a skill set that we've talked about for months, Declan, that is really interesting to watch. And this guy clearly has talent. And he has four goals, as we talked about earlier in the podcast. And it's been miserable. I would love to see him just get a couple of goals, just get a couple of slap shots that go in, because he's got the slap shot. It's not like he doesn't. But I would love to see that guy walk out the door of the X and into the offseason with just some confidence back. Because I think when he plays with confidence, I'm not saying he's defensively a great player. He's not. But I do think that he brings a skill set and an ability to to generate offense from the blue line that is hard to find. And, man, this guy's confidence. When he got in the fight with Kachuk, was that last December now? December of 2018? Correct. At the X and got hurt? My birthday. That guy was off the charts offensively. He was scoring goals. He looked fantastic. He looked like he had gone from, is Matt Dumba ever going to get it, to, oh, my gosh, he's going to be an all-star. And then he got hurt and came back this year, and he has been, I think it's fair to say, a shell of that player. But I think, I think... I might be wrong, but it's my opinion that that guy is recoverable, like he can come back. And I'd love to see this last 20-game sequence of the season just start to get that back.
2: Yeah, I I don't want to say it's been a lost season for Matt Dumba. I don't know if you agree with that. Would you say it's a loss quickly?
1: I, I feel like it's very close to that. Sure. Just because of what we saw last year before he got hurt. Was and I and the goal scoring was probably too much, yeah. But it's just the confidence of that guy versus this guy, so different. Yeah, part of me
2: is like, all right, if he turns it on and he is able to, you know, get four or five goals here, get some confidence back, like, oh,
1: that's encouraging,
2: or is it just like, well, it's 20 games in the last season, did that really matter? You know, I mean, probably good for him
1: personally. Personally, but I think it does though, don't you? I think so. Team wise, I don't think it matters. I personally, though, I really want to get him as a person, as a hockey player on just leave with confidence. And th- look, this speaking of shooting
2: percentages and shots, which I've clearly been carrying this theme on this, today's podcast, but, I mean, this is criminally low. Absolutely criminally low for his shots. How many of them hit the glass every single night? 2.4 shots per game, which is, is second career high, and he's only scoring 2.7% of his shots. 2.7%. Wow. That is an insanely unlucky number. Yeah. So if you're putting on 2.4 shots per game, I'm expecting you to probably clip, and I know defensemen shoot the puck a little bit more, I'm expecting you to clip 8% of those goals. I'm expecting you at least get 8%. League average is about 9 So I'm gonna just going to wager that if you're putting more and more shots on, you're probably not right at league average, but you should be putting much more than 2.7% of your shots. And for Dumba, yes, I, I think maybe the injury is still affecting him. I think there's a personal hangover there, and I would like for him to to reset you know when, when we did, did the all-star break and I said if I was Matt Dumba's agent or his best friend and he was like hey man let's hey Dean, let's go to Mexico and Cabo and hang out for a while just hang out go home go back work, go back you're to Canada me. I do I go back I, to Calgary running, just just relax for three or four days unplug with the family don't don't go with the boys just just take some mental time for you and I think look it, it's too early to obviously like just give up on Dumba but we need, to, we need him back to being an offensive dynamic player because $6 million a year for a guy like Dumba, if he's not scoring, yeah. it's unacceptable. Yeah,
1: And those guys, when he's playing like Matt Dumba can play too, that's really hard to find. Speaking of hard to find, as what will probably be our final topic on uh, tonight's or today's Judd's Hockey Show, I want to ask you about this because I think your plan on goaltending is right. I think ultimately, when the Wild starts to get confident enough that, that they're good, they're going to find one. They're going to find a goaltender or maybe two who will be very serviceable um, and who can help you win hockey games. My question is this, though, for Billy Guerin. Going into 2020, 2021, how are you going to find centers? Like, who are the centers? Where are they going to come from? Eric Sinek, as we discussed before, I think is a good two or three. I think he's a really good three. But I don't ever see him being a one i think he's past the point of oh my god he's become a top if he's if he becomes a one you're forcing it but if he's a two or three it's fantastic and he can really check well and i like how he plays he's really responsible but declan besides that where are they going to come from and they're so hard to find i mean am i off base equating them to starting pitching in baseball
2: i i would i would say ace Sure, but I'm so, front line. So right, but, front line But like your pitchers, one, right. your
1: one should be or could be your ace. Sure. And but nonetheless, they're just hard to find.
2: Yeah, they're, they're close to starting pitchers. I don't think that that's a fair analogy. Okay. But all right, here's here's your free agent centers this year. This is from Sportech: Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Mikhail Granlund, Miko Koivu,
1: and Granlin's really a. This wing, is I think this
2: is actually a hilarious because it. Okay. Th- yeah. Four of these five are wild players. All right. Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, yep. Mikhail Granlin, yep. Miko Koivu, yep. Galchenyuk, oh. Martin Hansel, Carl Soderberg. Martin Hansel's retired, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Craig Smith, uh, Nemensica. I mean, they're, they're not available. They're not available. And or there's not guys that are, you're worth paying. Eric Halla if the price was right, you know, if
1: he wants to come home and play. But he's another fringe winger center, right? I'm talking true number. Yeah. I'm talking true centers. I think if the Williams a wing center. Right. I'm talking I'm talking a guy you could put in the pivot. There's an old school term, put in the middle and you're say go to it buddy and you're going to be great.
2: I mean, yeah, I I think I personally think Holla's a center. I really do. And if he was signed here would, the expectation is he is a center because you're just so loaded on wings. Um, but there, you're gonna have to get creative in trade. That's what we were talking about in the first segment before we talked to Greg. Was there is a Darth of free agents? There is not many free agents uh, out there. Rnh is gonna get a humongous contract, and it still wouldn't shock me if he goes back to Edmonton. And right? Gonna, you can't afford it. And that. there's no way in hell you're gonna be able to get him. As much as I would, lo- if 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 it's there's a, a crush. if there's a moment in this offseason where I see a credible reporter say Rnh is linked to the Minnesota Wild, I will stake out Billy Guerin. At, at the team headquarters near the Herb Brooks Center, yeah, in, until that guy is signed, but it's not going to happen. So, yeah, it, it, you have to get creative with trades, man. That's that's how you're going to be able to do this. And um, even though Jerry Mayhew has been playing well, and Nico Sturm, let's be honest, even if he got a, a little extended look here in the last dozen games or so, he doesn't project to be more than a, a bottom six center either. So, that's the issue too with uh, your with our boy Kaspersov. And you know what? It wouldn't shock me at all. Mm-hmm. if you had to just dip in the KHL and bring over a buddy or bring over someone else because I don't uh, – uh, or, you know, free agent, college hockey kids that come become free agents at the end of March, you know. I would take as many lottery tickets on those than I sure. would overspending for someone like Craig Smith or Martin Hansel or Soderberg. I'd much rather throw it at the wall, which you know I love to do, and see who can stick on this team long term.
1: But think about that list that you just read through. Martin Hansel, who's retired now. A back injury, I believe, forced his retirement yeah. from the game, of, is on that list. Yeah. and But that's the thing that scares me. I think that you could go out, I think, when you start to get good. And we've talked about this before. This is not necessarily a long-term rebuild. It's a reset and rebuild of some sort, but it could be done pretty quickly. And I think you can go find goaltending. But what's really tough about this is where are you going to – because you do need at least one – ace center right like an ace pitcher you do need that one guy who sort of stands out and you're like okay um we can ride you you're going to be great and those guys are have become so damn hard to find and obtain and the price and so that's the one thing that going into um 2020-21 i'm so interested to see what bill Guerin does to try and begin to if not address it directly to try to begin to address it and sort of grease the skids for what direction this team is going to go, because right now I contend that as they finish out, three, four, 75% of their centers should not be here next season. Correct. Or if Eric Stahl is, he should be on the fourth line. Mikko Koivu should not be back. Granlin should be. And then who, who am I missing? Who's the... Um, Stahl? Did you say Stahl? Yeah, it was Stahl. It was Koivu. Galchenyuk. Galchenyuk, yeah. And who is the, probably not going to be back. Right. Yeah, you have to get creative, man. Oh, and Victor, I'm sorry. I missed the great Victor Rass.
2: Here, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to go and look at potential college hockey free agents. You know I love my college hockey.
1: You're good at that, yeah. I'm. An,
2: it's one thing I'm good at. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll look at some free agent possibilities right. for the
1: Wild. How about that? All right, we're done. Judd's Hockey Show, thanks to Greg Wyshynski. It's been a fun week. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Fast shoot score.
0: Your dog is more than just your bestie with the
2: cutest face ever. Get to know them on a genetic level with Embark Vet